0: Welcome wherever you are around the world to Football Access, the podcast about the A-League and all things football in Australia. My name is Gabriel D'Angelo, it's great to have your company. I'm joined by George Grossios. How are you, George? Hi, Gabriel. Great to be part
1: of another episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Round 22 started with Brisbane Roar defeating Western Sydney Wanderers 3-1. Western United demolished Adelaide United 5-1. Melbourne victory got trounced by Sydney FC 4-1. Wellington Phoenix beat Central Coast 3-1. Melbourne City beat Perth in a thriller 3-2, while Newcastle Jets had the bye. Now the latter, Sydney FC remains on top. Melbourne City, Wellington, Perth Glory, Brisbane and Western United make up the top six, while Adelaide, Western Sydney, Melbourne Victory, Newcastle and Central Coast make up the bottom. Very eventful weekend football for the A-League. So which game was the match of the round for you?
1: The, well, some great games right across the board, but I particularly enjoyed the Melbourne City performance. Travelling to Perth, it's been a stronghold for Perth Glory, yet yeah. they uh, did the job, yeah. Melbourne City. Absolutely.
0: You're, you're Great performance.
1: Right. Yeah, well, I, I think
0: maybe a match of the season so far.
1: Big call. Uh, but <laughs> they were leading 3-0 and Perth Glory, to their credit, fought back to two goals in the second half. But Melbourne City, they needed a performance like that to actually stamp their, I won't say stamp their authority, but to at least show their hand that. We're we're a contender. We're not just Mm. making up the numbers for the top eight this year.
0: Yeah, Absolutely right. For for a while, they have this sort of pretenders, if you will, sort of aura about them that they have all this money and all these facilities and all this sort of stuff. And yet they can't even make it to the grand final. Um, You're right. This is the game. This is the victory that they needed to win. Um, not only because it was in Perth, but many times Melbourne City will have this amazing first half where they're leading, they're cruising, they're going great. and in the second half, everything just sorts of collapsed. Against Perth Glory, who are one of the best teams in the competition, at their home ground to hold on and win that game, that was sort of... The the way that they celebrated, there was almost this sense of not necessarily relief, but sort of jubilation, almost like they won a final. So it's like, okay, we won in Perth against a very tough team in a very tough environment. It was an amazing game. We almost blew it, almost, but we survived. And it's like that could lift them up and give them the, the momentum to push on for the rest of the season.
1: Well, they needed to make a statement and no better way to make a statement than to travel to Perth and take on one of the competition's elite Performers,
0: yeah, uh, well, exactly right. It'll be very interesting to see how they go in the w- on the weekend.
1: Well, that's been their Achilles' heel. <laughs> they yes. are inconsistent, Gabriel, So mm-hmm. they need to now string some performances, keep racking up the points, and possibly uh, reel in Sydney. Now we'll touch on Sydney's performance in in a moment, but. Uh, yeah, they need to create a buffer between themselves and obviously the third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Mm-hmm. I know they uh, have a three-point lead over third-placed Wellington. Yep. Admittedly, they have a game in hand over Wellington, but now's the time for them, pointy end of the season, to start getting some momentum.
0: Absolutely right. Couldn't agree with you more. That was poss- possibly that Push that they needed, but uh, we'll see how I we'll go, how they will go next week. But as you um, say,
1: they celebrated knowing that we can compete
0: against the best teams. Yeah, exactly right. And and I have to admit, when, when I was watching that game, I thought, oh my god, here we go again. I <laughs> like collapse the, the, the way that Perth came out, but and and also, uh, Mombats when he put on Lockie Wales, I thought, oh oh, <laughs> because Lockie Wales, I I just no, uh, he's one of these players that is incredibly quick, but that's it. Offers pretty much nothing more than that. And then he put on Delbridge, and I thought, oh, oh here we go again. <laughs>
1: well, you'll be but pleased you didn't he didn't give away penalties exactly, or a red card.
0: Exactly right, because he's the type of player who'll have one really, really good game and then five really, really bad ones. But I can understand where it was coming from because he's such a big, solid guy, and there's so many balls into the box. So he was there for that, but I'm thinking, oh, hang on, could give away a penalty, but... They survived. They did well. Congratulations to Melbourne City for that victory.
1: Well, great signs that they can score three goals against a stingy defence mm-hmm. without Jamie McLaren being on the score sheet.
0: Exactly right.
1: Scoring options, which is what you want as a supporter, that you know that when your top striker has having, is having an off day, you have other attacking options.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And on another note, the other Melbourne team, Melbourne Victory, not exactly the best of performances against Sydney FC in the Big Blue. Uh, what was your take on that game? They
1: started off so positively. Mm. And they took a well-deserved lead. Yeah, uh, Marco Rojas demonstrated that he still has it. Yes. Still yeah. has the skill. Is a class above most players. Absolutely. Unfortunately. They just caved in yeah. with victory. They, they collapsed like a deck chair. <laughs> I mean, to ship four goals, yes, you can argue one of the goals, which uh, was considered via a penalty, very dubious. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was a penalty. It resulted in a red card as well to uh, one of the articles here, Hoogland, uh, who said before the match that he was eager to repay victory for the faith they've shown in him, mm. was doing so well and then that that contentious penalty decision going against melbourne victory look by that stage it was game over anyway they yeah. were 3-1 down sydney had completely dominated the midfield it was a matter of how far sydney will win by yeah yeah and True. having an extra um an extra man on top of their their opponents always helps melbourne victory tail between their legs I don't know uh, how the season will now pan out for them will they now start playing some youth yeah. um, to reinvigorate the 11 yeah. will they continue to play the favoured 11 with the experienced players uh, the Broxams these sorts of players really what's, what's to play yeah. for well, yeah, you're right. They'll probably just solely
0: concentrate on the Asian Champions League and give the, the young guys a, a go in the, uh, in the A-League season. Um, if that's the case, so be it, because, well, there's no relegation, so they're not going to drop, and I, I don't think that they're going to uh, make it to the finals. But it's going to be interesting to see what the plan is going to be for Carlos Salvatore, because even though um, Melbourne Victory didn't have the best of seasons, it wasn't his fault, like, he was given a team that was... He's inherited um, a team that yeah.
1: uh, is missing some options in defence, yeah. midfield. Uh, the forward line is, is is one of the best going around, in my opinion. Um, they just can't get the ball to the forward line, mm. though. Yeah, yeah. Although Torvenen would be tearing his hair out that he's not getting the service.
0: Yeah, that well, that too. And, and you mentioned this briefly about the dubious decisions and what was really annoying to me... I'm not a Melbourne Victory fan. I never have been. I never will be. And I don't want people to think that because <laughs> and we're like in... I like the
1: way you said Sydney trounced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mel- just to highlight it. You really it. <laughs> reinforced that. You really accentuated the defeat.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't want people to have the opinion that we're... Because we're in Melbourne, we have this, like, us against them. Sure, sort of mentality sure. or Anything like that. But the officiating from Sean Evans was beyond atrocious it was probably one of the worst I've seen all season when you have Melbourne Victory Sydney FC two big rivals the Big Blue one of the best games in the footballing calendar in Australia having so many glaring mistakes from not just him but also people in the VAR
1: well what's VAR doing?
0: exactly that's what I don't understand is that on the field of play Things go fast or things happen so quickly. I can understand if a referee didn't spot something or if the linesman got an offside call wrong. But with the VAR, there is no excuse. With all the cameras there, all the different angles and the technology, there is no excuse. So I agree with you. That penalty was not a penalty. Extremely harsh and harsh on Hoogland to get the red card. But there was just so many glaring errors that was almost amateur-like. And we were talking last week about... The players, how we scrutinise the players and coaches, how we need to have better players and coaches. We also need to have better standard of refereeing here as well. True. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, and that uh, brings the competition into disrepute when you can't get basic things right. Yeah. Like like your officialdom, and your VAR. Yeah. Um, in saying all of that, Gabriel, let's take nothing away from Sydney. Mm. They had a point to prove after that. Um, Disappointing in their books, disappointing mm. performance against um, the Asian Champions League opponent where they should have won. Yeah, uh, They drew two all, of course. Uh, perhaps some um, uh, tiredness and some, some fatigue creeping in. They were very slow. They were very reactive yeah. in that first half an hour. But gradually they got their game going and they reaped the rewards. 4-1 was just a magnificent response to a team that had a couple of questions. Even I, in last week's yeah. episode, uh, began to question whether it was possible for teams to reel them in.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, that is true. And l- like we said, we're not going to... We're not diminishing Sydney FC's performance, but uh, l- I think Sydney FC are, are pretty much back, really. The way they played against uh, Melbourne Victory, they're, they're back. They're, they're fine. They had a little bit of a hiccup, but they'll be back. A bit of a back. blip, yeah. A bit of a blip, but they're, they're fine again. But it just frustrated, frustrated me how... When you've got a big game like that, a big occasion, and the refereeing is so bad, it sucks the atmosphere. It sucks the life out of such an important game. But we can go on about referees all day, and we will in another episode, I'm sure. But on another note, a team that sort of sucked the life out of their season, if you will, Adelaide United... Really, really bad loss against Western United. 5 1 at home against Western United, who are now starting to get up, you know, start to collect some good wins here and there when we bag them on their first show. But Adelaide United, that's their third loss in a row. Last week, Bernd did say he has a close source that says that there's a lot of trouble behind the scenes at Adelaide United. And
1: I think it's starting to really show. Um, can we say that they're in a crisis i think so you shouldn't be losing 5-1 at home to a relative new starter
0: yeah who haven't been in the best of form all well for those past couple of months really and i
1: say relative new starter because we know that they will they will cobble together very very quickly western united they've largely compiled a dad's army type team, and, no dis- <laughs> and that's no disrespect to Western United because in your first season you do need experienced heads. You need old campaigners yeah. to basically nurture and mentor the younger players. Yeah. So they're starting to get that good blend of experience and youth. It takes time to build a culture and a winning culture at that. So for Western United to be able to travel to Adelaide and score 5-1, mm. and they could have scored seven or eight. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Easily. And Western uh, United, full marks to them. Mm. They played superbly well. Adelaide, as you say, Gabrielle, trouble behind the scenes. Um, it was reflected in their performance. They didn't play with any cohesion, with any discipline. The defence was lacklustre, mm-hmm. non-existent. So there will be some serious questions asked of Verbeek of mm-hmm. and the experienced players in that team.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely right.
1: No leadership, yeah, on yeah. the pitch it, it, at it, least.
0: It really does seem like that. There's no structure, no leadership, no no nothing really, and it's it's really worrying because at the start of the season, there were signs, there were signs, there was these glimmers of really good football, and you thought, "Wow, Adelaide United, they're they're going to be good this season," and they just started to collapse really badly. But um, yeah, well. There's still a lot more to play for. There's We have a fighting chance of making the finals. It's not over yet, but we'll see what happens. But in that eventful round of football, who was the player of the match for you?
1: I'll pay credit to Bessart Barisha. I, I have to confess, put my hand up, that I rode him off at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply because, again, as we just touched on, Western United looked to bring in experienced players. They brought in Scott McDonald. That, had, that didn't work out well mm. for for both parties although yeah. uh, uh, he's now moved to Brisbane and <laughs> scored two goals so um, you know he's, he's thumbed his nose at critics such as me <laughs> um, and Barisha being 36-37 uh, I thought Western United what are you doing yeah. you, you need to bring in younger players not a has been mm-hmm. um, even in his last couple of seasons at Melbourne Victory he showed signs that his best was behind him yep. but this season he's been a revelation. He's actually dis- discovered his his youth. Yeah, yeah. And scored another two goals. Mm. Um, the linchpin for Western United over the weekend. Yeah,
0: well, that's true. Yeah, he he had a great a great game, and and he has starting to um, get back into the old form again. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right with um, Bershard Barisha When he first came in, I, I was a little bit sceptical. I thought, mm, I don't know about Berusha coming back, but um, he's starting to prove a, a lot of us, I think, incorrect. But um, from the experienced heads to the much younger players, for me personally, I thought Tom Glover, the goalkeeper of Melbourne City, had a fantastic game. I thought... He was he, he was probably the one that saved, literally saved the game from Melbourne City. He made some fantastic saves. He was great. And I thought he that was a game that he really needed to prove why he's the number one goalkeeper for the Olly Roos. You know, he really needed to have that. The Olympics isn't too far away. If there's going to be an Olympics, <laughs> we don't know. That's, yes. But he That's needs to get into form. He needs to find his feet, you know. And he did it with that fantastic performance against Perth Glory. I think that he's moved on from that howler against Melbourne yes, Victory.
1: Yes, yes. We won't re- keep uh, rehashing that because that's <laughs> that's potentially a confidence destroyer.
0: Exactly right. Exactly right. And
1: so. he's, he's obviously moved on. Hopefully the players have got around him, um, reassured him. And as you say, courage under fire. Yeah. Um, Perth had the momentum, obviously the last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. But he was that calming... Yeah. Presence that you want at the heart of defence.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So, um, yeah, it was it was great to see. And speaking of the Olympics, last night the Matildas sealed their qualification for the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games after hammering Vietnam 5-0 in Newcastle and 2-1 in Hanoi. George, what did you make of their performance?
1: Well, let's rewind seven days ago where <laughs> you were very, very sceptical about uh, the Matildas and... Uh, uh, but with good cause. It, with good cause, but in the <laughs> end, it was a fantastic effort. First leg, 5-0 mm. at home. It was a great platform yeah. for the second for the second leg. There was no way they were going to lose 6-0 mm. and, and have that 5-0 performance overturned. I'm really pleased that they still were professional enough to get the job done second leg. They just didn't park the bus. They didn't yeah, yeah. waste time. They didn't play a negative brand of football. And, uh, yeah, 7-1 aggregate yeah. is a terrific performance.
0: Yes. Um, yes, I agree. Um, also, at the same time, I still think that some of my concerns, criticisms yeah, and yeah, concerns about, are valid, yeah. about them were sort of on display because um, – there, there is still those bits and pieces, those glimmers of when the Matildas played against Vietnam, and those both, both those games, where there was that sort of loss of connection, especially when they played last night in Vietnam. There was that sort of, there wasn't that sort of free flowing, robotic, like you said last week, football that they play, where everything just was so natural and everything just came together so brilliantly under Alan Stadick. And to be fair, near the end of his time as coach, it started to slow down a little bit. That sort of way that they used to play. Look, I, I don't want to. Be negative because I'm extremely happy that we have both the Olarus and the Matildas at the Olympics for the first time since 2004. No, yes, 2004 Athens Games. And it's wonderful because we need both those teams there. In order for, especially for youth football to maintain its popularity, maintain its presence and to keep growing, we need an international presence to be in international competitions and so forth. Happy, wonderful, excellent. At the Olympics, Matilda's going to play against Brazil, uh, Japan, uh, the Netherlands, Sweden, Canada, the United States, uh, Great Britain. They've got England and Scotland who have improved a lot. So I, I do have concerns because those mistakes that they made against Vietnam, and let's be honest, Vietnam were terrible. Even the Central Coast Mariners could have beaten them. That Those sorts of errors against those other teams I mentioned, punished. they'll be punished hard. So that's what I'm sort of worried concerned about.
1: Yeah, look, that's a fair call. An opportunity now for uh, Miletic to go away, review both games. As you say, great that we've progressed. He'll be pleased that we scored seven goals over the two legs. But sure, there'll be areas that he needs to address. Penalties. the defense. uh Penalty taking. Um, uh, Plays being able to maintain their composure against opponents that are playing negatively, that are... Parking the bus, to yep. use that uh, old terminology. They're challenges for, for for our players, for our team. Yeah, absolutely. Most definitely. And that'll come with maturity and growth. Um, there's been some turnover within the squad. Uh, we've had some injuries to keep players. Yeah. But as long as we keep winning games, even if we win ugly yeah. initially, um, that all points to a positive future. I think yeah. that we become hard, a hardened team that can win in all sorts of conditions against all sorts of opponents and tactics. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. I, I hope, you know, I wish all the Matildas all their best and they can improve from their quarterfinals appearance where they unfortunately lost in penalties against the host Brazil, but hopefully things will be much better this year. So we wish them all the very best. Absolutely. We're back in the second half of Football Access and with us is Bernd, Bern Merkel. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Gabriel. Hello. Good evening, George. Hi, Burnt. Welcome. Thank you. The FFA is set to market the blueprint of a national second division to gauge the interest of clubs outside of the A-League. It has been three months since FFA's steering committee for the ambitious project was due to release firmer details details on how the proposed second tier can get off the ground. However, there are some issues that need to be raised, like how much it will cost clubs annually to participate, and whether the competition should be played in parallel with the A-League in summer or the NPL season in winter, and also who are the teams involved in the second division gentlemen what are your thoughts on this
1: I am in favour of promotion relegation all of the other major leagues have that it uh, makes teams and clubs invest and be uh, very entrepreneurial and um, competitive mm-hmm. and, if they, and if they can't uh, cut the mustard so to speak in, in, in their own particular competition well they pay the price and the next team comes through
2: um, I'm agreeing with you in terms of definitely we need a second division sooner or later, because uh, if you want to be competitive in Australia, then to just have a top league with 10 teams, even if we had 11 and then 12 from next season on can't be enough, uh, because you also need that kind of competition down the bottom of the ladder, I, who was in Marcus Bubble, often said that last season, also this season, you don't have any pressure, right? You don't have to lose anything. Yeah. Of course, you can win, but you don't have to lose if you're th- seventh or eighth or ninth in the end. Yeah, mm. okay, that's it. And uh, from that end, definitely, we need the promotion and relegation. I see it as a big problem what timing you're looking at because, um, in my opinion, but that's a different story, A-League should go to winter season, And then you don't have the problem with where is the second division, right? I mean, it's actually such a nonsense that you have the top league completely different to the rest of the country um, in different seasons, and um, so, there are definitely a few problems to be solved, but the relegation promotion needs to come.
1: Yeah. Gabriel, I understand that when they issued the original licenses, the owners wanted security of, mm. of, of tenure yes. to protect their investment. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's understandable. They are putting their own wealth on the line. They're, yep. they're investing their own hard-earned um, cash. But we need to look beyond that now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, the good thing is, and I'm glad you raised that because you're spot on, there were those, like the owners of those clubs that said, all right, we want that sort of guarantee that our investment will stay fruitful for a couple of years. But now a lot of them, even the um, the, uh, the Manchester City football group, the City football group who own Melbourne City, they were saying, you guys need to have promotion and relegation. So even owners of clubs here in the A-League are saying that. And there's that sort of, I remember a couple of uh, seasons ago this sort of feeling of indifference that some players have even because I remember when that season where Adelaide United won, won the, uh, the, the, the premiership when they were the, the champions and then the following season they were almost last or dead last, like they were second last or last or something like that. I remember after an Adelaide loss and they were last, I can't remember which player it was, they said on air after the game, oh, you know, there's no relegation so it doesn't matter. Can you imagine saying that in Europe or South America or any other country where they have relegation and promotion and it's life you know it's 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 really sort of important it's like food for the family and all that sort of stuff you know winning and losing is really really important can you imagine that sort of mentality that's the mentality that we have now and I, I hate it we need to have promotion and relegation here
2: but I think there is not so much about whether we need it or not uh, so what I perceive is that most of the people agree on it in terms of being competitive also if you look into Asia all the top leagues have promotional promotion relegation Australia is the only one that doesn't have one but really then to get it into practice and so many factors need to be considered what will the teams be you know as you said investment then what what season of the year all these kind of of questions need to be answered and I'm not very confident that they will be answered in the right way so that's why I'm a bit
1: one of the big big concerns is finances how will these second tier clubs mm. be able to compete with a city football group who have a massive backroom staff with technical directors, a marketing division, uh, the administration staff. Mm. You pop down to the um, the Bandura facility and you can see how well set up the club is. Or you pop down to Melbourne Victories facilities yeah. and they've got a, a massive backroom staff. Uh, all of the, the personnel are there. A club like South Melbourne, Melbourne Knights, yes, they have their, mm. their roots in the National Soccer League. They're probably the two clubs that I perceive could probably um, pull it off in terms of mm. making it into this proposed second tier yeah. and be able to fund and, and survive financially. But you look at other clubs such as perhaps Oakley Soccer Club, the Oakley Cannons, these sorts of suburban clubs, how can they how can they compete financially mm. and and how can they get the facilities as well
0: mm, yeah uh you yeah that that is a good point because i remember when Uh, there was the um, talk about having the A-League expanded and there was quite a few um, businesses and and councils and committees that were actually really interested and they were going to get together and and join these sorts of working groups to have a club in an expanded A-League. So I think that some of those clubs, if they were given the opportunity to be part of the second division, they'll jump at it. And the good thing about promotion and relegation, you have a club like Bournemouth in the Premier League, for example, they were just a suburban club. They couldn't even find a, a ground to train on. They had to go to the local primary school to train. Look at them now. Mm. They've got millions of dollars. They've got their own, you know, academies. They're, they're they're they've just you know exploded. They're flush with funds and all that sort of stuff. And that could happen to another club here. That could happen to anyone. And you guys do make the good points in the sense that. You're not 100% sure if they're going to pull off c- correctly. And I share your concerns, but the thing that I like is that at least they're having serious conversations about it. They're not pulling off, they're not saying, ah, oh, no, no, we'll do it. So-. No, no, they're actually mm-hmm. really going to do this, or so they're thinking about And that's who's what I think. I think
2: the approach is the right one that everyone wants to have it, or um, people see the need for it. But. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit more skeptical in this. Yeah, yeah. Way. No, I, I, I agree
0: with you. How is it going to be yeah. pulled off? Yeah. You know, who are the teams? Because I, I don't think, s- for example, South Melbourne, or, or even Melbourne Knights are going to be in in the um, in an expanded uh, of second United, division Heidelberg United, if we're talking local clubs. Yeah. Or, yep. or, a, or a Sydney, uh, Sydney, the old Sydney Croatia, Sydney United. I don't think clubs that have that sort of connection with an ethnic community. I don't think that they're going to be in the A League purely on That's you know, the those other reasons. Yeah. So That's you're talking
1: about they should look to new clubs being created, new entities I think that are sh- broad-based. I think they like should a, go a half Like half a Team half. 11, perhaps.
0: The, well, there was the, the South East Melbourne that uh, Dandenong Area Team 11 team. Yeah, Wollongong Wolves, for example. They were an old NSL club. You know, they have a, they're in a decent region where there's a lot of football in that area, New South Wales and that part of New South Wales. Uh, a new team in Tasmania wouldn't be too bad. You know, an old existing team like a West Adelaide or a Brisbane Strikers who are part of the NSL, they might have the capabilities of coming back, maybe in another guise, maybe, I don't know. But I think new clubs and even some of the old NSL clubs like Wollongong, for example, I don't think, you know, shouldn't be out of place in a, in a new... Well, in, in like the A-League 2, if you want to call it, or the B-League, whichever that they'll come up with. So, you know, there's that sort of possibility, I think.
1: Funding as well, as we keep touching on. Funding and facilities. We love our local soccer. I, I went to watch Oakley Cannons versus South Melbourne. Mm. And they had, unfortunately, uh, primitive yeah. facilities compared to
2: Melbourne, yeah, City. Melbourne, Melbourne City, City Melbourne or,
1: yeah. or, or, or Sydney FC or even, uh, of course, Melbourne Victor have been a benchmark on and off the field for so many years. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. That's another thing as well. Um, and, and I'm not saying that to uh, denigrate ah, Oakley no or, no. or some of these other suburban clubs, but it's just reality. Yeah. They, exactly you know, they're right. being funded by uh, the local council, the and the local rate pays. Yeah. They need... And the community itself. Yes, yes, yes. The ethnic community itself in some cases. So they need corporate support
2: but on the other hand when you were talking about the ethnicities you know um, I see that on the one hand as definitely let's say a challenge but on the other hand isn't that maybe a chance also for soccer here in Australia because that's what we are missing really in terms of this enthusiasm this, this support the electrifying um, uh, yeah, vibes in, in the stadiums and that I think can only come through these clubs as well so you need to balance it i I see the problem with these clubs you know if they are related to maybe a a former greek or 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 macedonian or italian um, population but uh, on the other hand these might the people then they actually live for soccer right and if you look then at the central coast where they have two or three thousand every weekend in the a league is is that the solution
0: well you you make a good point but That's the thing. Look, if it wasn't for the ethnic communities, the various ethnic communities in Australia, football wouldn't be where it is today. Yeah. No denying that whatsoever. However, if you were to think, let's say, if South Melbourne were in the A League tomorrow, I can picture a lot of South Melbourne, or 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 the Greek or Greek Cypriot Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City fans going, "See you later. I'm going back to South Melbourne." I can just picture that happening and they are A-league clubs mm. you know it's not a grassroots club yeah. it's an A-league club and I don't think they want that to happen that's why I think that they're going to be focusing more on these clubs that don't have uh, a background so yeah. to speak just more for that more than more than anything I mean the question is
2: in that situation it's it's not easy and that's what I said do you how to answer these questions properly because on the one hand you could say you don't want to open this can of worms right where you say exactly if if the uh, supporters are gone once, they're not going to come back, right? If you let clubs like South Melbourne in and uh, supporters leave Melbourne City, leave Melbourne Victory, they are not going to come back. On the other hand, maybe then this is the kind of natural mixture that you where you should give the chance to evolve naturally and say okay people then go to where their heart is right yeah. in the end in soccer it's about emotions so it's it's tricky right yeah. um, maybe try it with one or two clubs and see how you go
1: um, but, but but that's the beauty of competition it forces yeah. all clubs mm-hmm. to change their ways and actually improve Every element of their operation, every yeah. element of their club—from yeah. their recruiting to their, um, their their player welfare to their marketing yeah. to the way they engage with their supporters, their, their, their the local community—it um, yeah. just forces you to
0: to be competitive, yeah. to actually yeah. become better. Yeah. You, you said it, George. It's the beauty of competition, and it's not just off-field but on-field as well. Because if you got Central Coast versus Newcastle Jets. I mean, really, who cares? But if it's a game where, you know, last versus second last, you know, it's near the end of the season. Who's going to avoid relegation? It's going to be a really good game. It might even be the game of the season.
1: And I mean, I mean that's right. You want you want every single game to count. something exactly right. So and, I mean, it's, yeah.
0: it's sad
2: for the clubs, but that makes it also so exciting and interesting and um, competitive. If it's about a, gl- a club's existence, right? Because mm-hmm. as you said, then they really have to rethink. It doesn't matter to them at the moment whether they finish eighth, ninth, or tenth. But if it really comes to hey, what's happening if we get relegated? Right, we yeah. get maybe less money from TV we get less sponsors and all of that I mean for the club itself it's a sad side but this is how it happens and this is that's football yeah that's that's sports right so if you can't take that into account then don't get into the competition at all.
0: And there's been a lot of talk about how the um, TV viewership's gone down, how fans don't come into yeah. the grounds anymore. Well, of course not. There's nothing to really, you know, to, what, what is it that's so enticing about the competition now? Yeah. Really nothing. So if every game counts, like you said, every game will count, people will come people will definitely come to the games. people will definitely watch because every game will count every game will matter so there's that and and also just for the for the sake of the the the, the, the numbers of the young you know females and male players that we have here I mean football participation went up 29% since 2018 yeah. where are they going to go you know and we were talking I think in our first podcast about marquees there's going to be five marquees well that's taking the, the spot of a young player. So if we have more clubs more teams, you know more opportunities, so these young players can really start to play more and get more experience and the, they
1: will improve. The league will improve. Yeah, we need the competition to be a lot more marketable and that'll bring in more more investment yeah. and these semi-professional players will have a genuine pathway. Yeah exactly right because they don't really have that now. I mean really
0: they, they don't and yeah. that was Part of the reason why I was just so annoyed about this five marquee rule that there was no thing. But if there's a second division, there'll be so much more opportunities for so many players and coaches too, like young coaches. And we saw Mark Rudin, you know, he was in the uh, at Sydney United and uh, Anastasiatis who was at uh, Bentley Green's. I think That's that right.
1: Was. Dean Anastasiadis. Exactly. Sorry, John, Anastasiadis. John Yeah, I beg your pardon. Yes. So, so all uh, these opportunities for the players
0: yeah. and the coaches, it's just so, so much so you know it is like a a, like a pandora's box but a good one i think so hopefully it happens we'll see what happens but we have to move on so now to the games for round 23 just a word of warning the games could be rescheduled due to the coronavirus so watch out for that first up it's brisbane raw versus central coast shall we just give this one to brisbane george
1: They've been in terrific form lately, Brisbane Raw. We keep talking, or I, I sing the, keep singing the praises of Robbie Fowler. Yeah. Uh, he seems to have turned it around. I think he's now really confident in his expectations and his own abilities, of course. He has a, a greater sense of awareness of what he wants and, he, and, and, and the game style he's trying to impose. So I would uh, pencil a victory for Brisbane Raw and continuation of their fine form of late.
2: Normally, you always have easy game predictions, right? (laughs) This one would be one and that's why I say a draw. A
1: draw? (laughs) You're going
2: against the grain (laughs) burn. Yeah, yeah. I'm going with a draw because at one stage, I mean the Mariners have lost now I think seven or eight in a row. Around that, yeah. So at one stage there needs to be maybe a little upset. I'm not saying they're going to win, but a draw. Okay, he's, he's not German. He's Swiss. And I he's neutral. neutral. I can't, neutral. Uh, I can't justify <laughs> <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, just the, it only, the, the, the only <laughs> argument I have are stats. At what yeah. stage every stats ends? And so it's a numbers play. game. Sooner yeah. or later, yeah, yeah.
1: your luck has to change. Yes. Okay, I like that that way of thinking.
0: Yeah. Well, um, good luck. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Brisbane Roar they should win that. And uh, uh, they were saying that Robbie Fowler has totally changed the culture yeah. of that. Well, Oh, yes. but, it's, 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 it's evident yeah. yeah but yeah Brisbane rule easily next up on Saturday Sydney FC plays Perth Glory should be a good one who's going to win that one Bird well
2: I mean Sydney is on top of the ladder and uh, how many points ahead of Melbourne City now I think 12 or is it or uh, 11 yes. I think but yeah it's on the other hand now the um, uh, the final from last year, and we know all how it ended. So Sydney very dominant against Melbourne Victory, but Melbourne Victory the whole season not really convincing. But this one goes to Sydney. Yeah,
1: I would agree. Yep, I mean the performance last week against Victory would have reinstalled the confidence. That it's just some some doubts would have crept in after a couple of subpar performances. And Perth Glory, um, their form of late has, has dropped. Uh, they're now in fourth position. Sydney at home. Yeah, no, I agree
0: with you guys. Sydney should win that one. Later, it's Melbourne City versus Western Sydney. Who's your tip, George? Melbourne City. Oh, I'm very,
1: I'm very confident and emphatic, yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah, enough. because
2: this season they really have made a big step up and I agree with George, Melbourne City for me definitely although the Wanderers since Babel has gone uh, definitely improved as well but for me it's it's City
0: yeah the Wanderers have improved a lot since Babel left and Melbourne City have this ability to win a really really good game and then lose a really really bad one the following week well this so will be a
1: good test for them uh, maybe we should
2: ask how many spectators more or less than 6,000 <laughs> <laughs> in that game
0: uh, okay <laughs> uh, moving on uh, I'll say Melbourne City Sunday Wellington takes on Melbourne victory what do you think burned
2: well in the parts it always was such an easy away win for Melbourne victory. <laughs> yeah. This season it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. Wellington, for me, the team of the season, and Ufuk Talai, the, the coach of the season, so they deserve a win, and I can't see why victory should win that. So, Wellington.
1: Yeah. I would agree. I'm disappointed in victory's performances this year. Of course, they've had injuries, they've had uh, massive changes in lineup, but. Uh, Wellington they've been really really good at home all season so they can um, go into the game with a great deal of confidence
0: yeah Uh, I echo both your sentiments I think Wellington they've been such a a great team they really have been a breath of fresh air I thought they've been sensational and yeah they should beat Melbourne victory pretty comfortably, and to finish, Adelaide United encounters Newcastle Jets. Who will win that one, George?
1: Well, this is not an easy one to predict either. Both sides have been in in poor form of late. Um, Adelaide just, someone has to win, I hope. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not tipping them with much confidence, but I'll say Adelaide 1-0.
2: I go with a draw in that. Both Adelaide now, I think also three or four losses in a row. Obviously, there is uh, something going on. The team is really going downhill. And Newcastle, on the other hand, can maybe now and then uh, have a little bit and create a little bit of an upset. So that's
0: why a draw. Yeah, Newcastle, last five games, they haven't lost. They've either won or drawn. So, and Adelaide, they're, they're, they're a shambles they are they are in crisis mode uh, to lose at home against Newcastle who are second last that, that could be the last that, that last nail in the coffin for Verbeek I think um, but yeah I'm going to go with Newcastle Jets on that one we have to leave it there for now thank you for listening to Football Access hope to see you next week bye for now
1: thanks Gabriel thanks burn thanks George
0: see you Gabriel thank you